So somebody is with a company for four years and they leave and then you are like, oh, you betray us. You go somewhere else. No. You know, you were not able to provide them like with an interesting challenge and that's why they left. And that's totally fine. Hey there, and welcome to Leadership Sprouts podcast. In today's episode, we want to talk about intrinsic motivation. We give you a definition of what intrinsic motivation means for Leadership Sprouts, and we ask ourselves the question on when did we actually unlearn to be intrinsically motivated. We compare extrinsic versus intrinsic motivation at work and discuss the role of money and compensation to it. Here we dive deeper into the salary fallacy. We want to shed a light on where salary can create motivation and where it has limits. We also share our experiences with intrinsic motivation. We talk about the sense of impact, the freedom and opportunity to shape and create value, as well as the importance of challenges that make people grow. In the end, we share our insights to the importance of letting go, as we believe that this is a key factor of keeping intrinsic motivation in your organization. Thanks for listening in. Hello, Rolf. How are you doing today? Hey, um, I'm really good. I had a really nice discussion um, a couple of hours ago with a good friend of mine and um, discussing some also some leadership sprouts topic and realized again how yeah um, how important it is that we spread the word even more. That's really cool. That's always good news. The last time actually we had our podcast was quite some time ago when we recorded it. It was an, about empowerment. Um, today we talk about our um, third Heidi principle, which is intrinsic motivation. And there is one question that I wanted to ask you, which is um, more personal maybe, but when was the last time you did something simply for the enjoyment of the activity itself? Oh, wow. Um, I thought you would ask the question another way around. So because when, when was the last time that you were uh, completely extrinsically motivated to do something um, and uh, and that was the only motivation because because I think that um, I I don't know I think I I do nearly everything I do because of I I enjoy it and and I think that's probably the biggest luxury that I don't have to do so many things that I I do really not enjoy and um, of course enjoyment is always like it's a broad concept right but uh, but in, in general yeah, I, I would think that I enjoy everything so 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 tell me something that I don't enjoy maybe you know better than me but I don't know but but I think for a lot of people that is that is very um, abstract because I think a lot of people are caught in circumstances where they have not the luxury to to always do what they what they are really enjoying um, would you say that this has always been the case for you or would you say it started at a certain time? No, 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 no. That was not always the case for me. So I, I, I think that my motivation changed over time. And I think that, of course, like a lot of my motivation in the beginning uh, was also driven by by making money, right? So, I mean, that is, of course, like an important thing that you, that you grow up with. My dad was an entrepreneur himself. Um, and 
I know that like money problems that played a big role. Yeah, so when the business was not run running well, and you know that it was about okay, like you know, can we can we afford like uh, somebody else, another waiter, or uh, do we have to stay stay awake until late at night ourselves or whatsoever? Right. So I think that was always like a so money money was a big topic, and of course, like when I started being financially independent. Um, was was important for me. I think it was never such a driver beyond that. So I think like the it's kind of like I have enough to basically, uh, you know, um, cre create my own life, do the do the do the basic things that I wanted to do. You know, going out from time to time whatsoever. I think after that, that was not that strong anymore. But being there financially independent, I think that was was important for me, and. And I think then it changed over a while and, and then it became less important, uh, like that, you know, the, the money became less important and it became, the money became more an indicator for success, but still an important indicator for success. So, you know, like company valuation or whatsoever, there was still an indicator for success and the, and the higher the valuation of the company was, the more uh, I perceived myself as successful. Um, And and then it probably it, it switched around and turned into impact and so on and then it got got further and further away from the money value, but there was of course it was a longer process. Yeah. Yeah, I think later on we're gonna dive even deeper into the into the money topic. Um, before we go there, I would like to also give a more more formal or yeah an, an definition that you find in the internet about intrinsic motivation because I feel. Yeah, everybody agrees it's nice to be intrinsically motivated, but what does it actually mean? And probably you and I, we have a different definition already. So maybe it's good to have one official one and then also explain people what we as Leadership Sprouts see um, as important when, when we talk about intrinsic motivation. So what I found um, was intrinsic motivation refers to behavior that is driven by internal rewards. In other words, the motivation to engage in a behavior that arises from within the individual because it's naturally satisfying to you. So it's actually the absence of extrinsic motivation. Mm -hmm. So engaging into a behavior that is rewarding you from within. Is this aligning to what we understand for intrinsic motivation or would you say... Mm -hmm. That we have a different no, perspective to it. No, no, I I think that get, gets already pretty close to to what I would perceive as intrinsic motivation. I think like I think the opposite would be, or not the opposite, but like a more narrow um, a definition would be, it's just the thing itself that provides you enjoyment and not the result of what you do. So mm -hmm. I, I think there is a, maybe a differentiation, and now I read other definitions before where it's really just about the process so that you just enjoy the process. Um, I, I would, in, in, in our definition for leadership sprouts, I would not go that far and I would stick closer to what you just read out. So, so, so for me, like, um, is, the question is, is there like an extrinsic motivation besides basically the enjoyment, the satisfaction that you get, get by doing something or by creating something? Um, and, and I think that's, that's basically what, what, what I would stick to for leadership sprouts. Yeah. So, The absence of um, motivation by basically by money or by status or even by recognition, I would say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 
I mean, interestingly, if we if we look at children, right, then um, we actually realize that children are utterly motivated from within um, because they are exploring and while they're exploring, they're learning and they're driven from within um, during this process. So they're really enjoying this process. And and then there there comes a time where we we get we got taught a different story, right? So extrinsic motivation becomes impactful. And um, and, and do you think do you think that is useful? And do you think or why do we do that? Why do we why do we put this this label of intrinsic motivation upon society? Yeah, I, th I think at one one point we want to. Uh, want our children to to learn uh, so, um, social norms, right? So we want them to adapt to follow specific a specific standard, a specific expectation, and and in that moment we probably do not inspire them through our behavior to do so, but we we put norms on them, right? And we we um, treat them in one way when they stick to the norms, and we treat them in another way when they don't stick to the norms. Um, the, the question is if that is already in this early stage, is that the right way of, of, of you know, teaching or, or you know, um, interacting with your children? Um, but, but it's definitely something that is, it's a, is a standard. So, so I think after a while, at least, we have a tendency to make extrinsic motivation the norm, right? So you do this, then you get that. You know, we, we only, you only get the toy you know if you if you if you uh, behave like that you know like the, you only get you know the the um so santa claus you know um is only treating you well and is only giving you nice stuff when you've been a nice girl during the year right mm -hmm. and then there comes a definition what that means, means yeah so you know in a very early stage already we get basically we we get kind of indoctrinated we get put into a specific direction by the use of um, extrinsic motivation. And that's why what we learn, right? And that's why we always keep on like responsive to it, right? So, um, and we, we get trained to, um, to respond to extrinsic motivation and not follow our passion. And I would uh, totally agree that it's actually a very natural that we have that in, inside ourselves. So, I mean, probably, I mean, when, when I was, uh, when I was a young child and I, you know, nobody, needed to tell me that I there my 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 Lego my Lego is there to basically build I don't know spaceships or houses or whatsoever, you know, and nobody has to tell taught, told me to do that. So no, like in the moment where you where you see that you start building, right? You start creating, you start doing something. Um and I think that's not something that we have to be taught, right? So we we rather get taught to stick to the norms. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then I mean then we continue the whole process because we go through school and then we get grades and then we go to work and then we get money. And, um, yeah. And then th this is kind of now switching to the business concept, the very traditional or norm. Yeah. Perceived norm of, of, um, how you insert motivation to people is through money and salary. So we compensate people for the time, and the work they invest into a company. I would say that that is, and, and only this definition makes me feel like it comes with two assumptions. It makes A, I don't want to spend that time here at this company, so I need to be 
compensated for it. And on the other hand side, I also don't enjoy the task I'm doing during that time. Mm -hmm. And it, and it, why did we end up in such a mindset? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's very interesting. I think we somehow we slide it into, into that somehow, I think over, over generations and generations. And I think that when we were all um, um, like in, in the early stages of our um, development as human, human beings and we were, we were gathering and hunting, um, probably we only ha gathered and hunted um, as long as we needed uh, something to, to feed ourselves, right? So we were not, uh, we were not, it was not detached, was not detached from, from really providing for, for yourself. And, and I think that then changed over time, right? With the agricultural revolution, we were starting to build, build stock, build like, you know, see, okay, you know, maybe then the next year we really have very bad weather, whatsoever, something happens. And, um, and so maybe we should, we should basically like build a storage for the next seven years or whatsoever, you know, because something goes wrong, right? I mean, that's the story in the Old Testament, right? Like when, mm -hmm. when Joseph came to the Pharaoh and told him there will be these seven bad years, right? So you have to build build a stock basically to uh, provide your your um, um, your people. And 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 I, I think this idea then, you know, that we started to detach basically like our work today from that that we basically uh, provide for ourselves, right? So we were it was for the future, for the next generation, and and so on. So it got more and more detached. And and I think then we we did not escape that wheel anymore or this um, this vicious cycle basically. And so today, um, I think I think I mean you know most of us have to still we have to work and because otherwise we could not. Um, yeah, I think we could in mo most of our societies we could survive still even without the work, um, thankfully. But um, but we could not probably have the life standard we wanted to have if we if we would not um, earn the money but but still somehow this money became kind of the the north star basically it became like the the um, everything at the end was only about the money and i think that's mm, it's it's i think it's it's funnily but it's it, it i think it's sad for for the productivity actually i think it makes us way less creators and way less productive actually this was something i just wanted to to bring in now i mean i i would say for a very long time money as as motivator worked quite well if you think on an execution task if you think on very hard work that needed to be done um but why why would you say today it's just not sufficient anymore no i think i think it gets it gets just harder so right so i mean and that's why I said we detached more and more from basically, uh, you know, what we create. So because we we wanted to provide for us in a year, for the next generation, and so on. So we detached us. I think that's uh, the problem, you know. So as long as you, for example, you are you are self-employed or you're a freelancer, whatsoever, right? You get just paid for for whatever you create. I think in that moment, extrinsic motivation probably still works pretty well. Why does it still work? I mean, pretty well, not perfectly, but pretty well, because because basically whatever you create basically brings you money. So in that in that moment, you know, like intrinsic and extrinsic motivation is pretty much aligned. And then extrinsic motivation is not bad. I would also not generally say that extrinsic motivation is, is worse than intrinsic motivation. 
the, the problem is that the di direction is, is a problem. So it's, it doesn't go always in the same direction because if you're not a freelancer anymore, if you were just two freelancers, you already have a real free rider problem, right? So you, you're two people working together. One is maybe creating more than the other and the other is participating, right? And then you have to work with incentive schemes within. So then you have to see like, okay, you know, um, everybody is just responsible for their clients or, or whatsoever, right? So you start basically then uh, with mechanisms to allocate uh, you know, money to one or the other person. And, and actually when we, when we create larger and larger organizations, basically that's what we do. So we, we have an allocation problem. So we have to say like, okay, like who, who gets what of the value that we create as a, as a company. Right. And, and, and that's, that's the issue. You know, it's not, it's not so much, okay, like, like money is generally a bad motivator. The problem is the allocation. The problem is like, um, how do you really motivate for the right thing? And that's just super hard, you know. It's just super, super hard in a in an organization to really motivate people for the right things, um, you know. And 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 I think also in our organization in, in Trivago, um, we 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 really went through a lot of lot of iterations there, and we had also an iteration where we were we were thinking that, uh, or I was thinking. You know, I don't want to put it on other people. I was thinking that basically the, the, it works the best when most of the salary is um, a variable uh, salary and it's attached to goals. Mm -hmm. yeah, so and I thought, okay, we can just come up with like five goals per person and then we may have a huge salary, um, a huge component which was variable in the salary and, uh, and basically and then you could motivate people through that. So, so I really thought that's the case and, and, um, and we found out it's, we couldn't be further away from the truth because it was just at the end not really motivating. So because how did you how did you see that that it was not motivating? So how did you realize that this is not motivating your people? So 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 what you what you realize is um, I think it, it I think the initial setup that was quite helpful. So the initial setup was um, I sit down with somebody and I say okay like um, let's sit together and let's define for your work. You know, what are your goals that you want to reach, right? And um, what, what, is, what, is, what do you want to reach next year? Um, and, and then we, we, we set a target um, for what you want to reach. So I think that is not an unhealthy process. So I think this discussion of like, okay, how do you create value? And are we aligned on this? You know, and is this also what you define as value? Is this also value for me? I think that was a very helpful process. So the problem is you go into the first round after half a year, or after a year, And you talk to people and, and, then, and then you speak about the targets, right? And there's two options, right? So there's an, either the option is you overfulfill your target or you're, you're, you don't reach your target. So both, both can happen. And the question is really if, like how much of this is really due to your work, right? So how much of this overfulfillment or, um, or underfulfillment is really due to, to your work? And what you often end up with is that there's lots of dependencies from teams among each other. And, and what you usually end up with is in the moment where somebody has overfulfilled, it's always, of course, you, you know, you personally overfulfilling. In the moment where it's underfulfilled, it's always detached from, from you. And that is the discussion that, that, you, that, you do, you, that you have there. And that it, it's super natural, but it's also not a very healthy discussion that you have. And, um, and that's the first stage. And often then you end up in saying, okay, you know, then let's go for, I don't know, you end up at 80, 90% or whatsoever, right? And you negotiate. And then you go into the next year, you set again targets, right? And, um, 
And what happens if uh, sometimes you you don't get to the 100% again or to the 90%, but you go to the 60%. And that's not motivating at all. That's rather the opposite. So, in, so, so, so basically after a year, basically, you already calculate every variable uh, part in your salary. You c- calculate as your salary. And you're not anymore motivated just because you get another, another time like 100% of your bonus. That's your expectation. So basically, you want to reach 120% of your bonus and or 140% of your bonus, right? So, so it's just super, super complicated. You know, if there would be a perfect alignment and a perfect indicator and a perfect OKR or whatsoever you have there, a perfect system that perfectly would describe the value that you create, it could potentially work. It's not that it, extrinsic motivation does not work, but, but it's just so hard to find this indicator. And, 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 and think about it, even if you would, could find a perfect indicator and you couldn't find a perfect metric system in which you put people, and then you still have so many side effects of creating value, right? So there are people who create a lot of value just, for example, by bringing the team together, you know, by, by, by bounding with people, by motivating others. There's people who, who are just so much better who make a team much better. And there are individual performers, but these individual performers might not be even able to perform on the same level if there would be not other people like, like, like you know, building this foundation. So, so even if you would have perfect indicators, just like the, the, the form of how somebody creates, like you know, the expression, how, how somebody creates value is so different that it's just super, super hard to grasp that and to be fair with that. Yeah, and, um, and that's why... I'm really convinced that extrinsic motivation, at least in, in, a, in a larger organization, which starts probably with three people, four people, or whatsoever, um, I think I think it's really really hard to do that. Yeah, it's and it's it's and the jobs in which we can maybe potentially extrinsically motivate, I think they get less and less. Right, I mean, even even if you take this example of like. Um, a construction line, right? So they say like, okay, you know, you have somebody working on a construction line like for eight hours, right? And it runs always the same speed. And when when somebody works there for 12 hours, you know, they're 50% um, higher productivity. That might still be a case, you know, where, where for for example, time is a good motivator. But, um, But even there, right? What happens actually? So people get tired, People get maybe try get more lazy or whatever over a longer time. So I I don't think that this is really even working there, but that is one of the few rare jobs. But but I think most of these jobs will be gone. You know, like in a decade or two decades probably. Um, most of the repetitive jobs will be gone. You know, like repetitive jobs in accounting or wherever you still have those jobs. And then what, what we will be left with is, is, is just purely creative jobs. And in these creative jobs, I think it's super, super difficult to find the right indicators for value creation so that extrinsic motivation makes sense. That doesn't mean that you should not pay people. <laughs> it, just, it just means that it doesn't make sense to... Solely focus on that. To, yeah, to have the illusion that paying more or less will basically have a direct impact on on productivity. I think it's also, you could also take it from a psychological perspective. 
And then looking at the uh, long-lasting effect of, for example, salary increases or bonuses. So, um, and then there are many studies there that say, okay, the, the effect of a salary raise lasts for, I don't know, two or three months. And then if you do not enjoy what you're doing, mm -hmm. you, you are still in the same pain as before, even though you you earn X amount of money more. Mm -hmm. So So the frustration about your job is not cured by the amount of money you get more or less. And I think this is also something to realize. Um, as somebody who thinks also that more money would make it worth to still stay in a job that I do not enjoy. And also from the other hand side, yeah, to, to, to think that you can keep people by just paying them more. Yeah, a very typical example, right? So you, you have somebody and they're unhappy with what they do. And usually it's, it's also quite hard to describe this unhappiness, right? So, so you're unhappy with your, with your job. You're not really feeling motivated and so on. And that's, sometimes it's hard to say, right? So it's hard to say to go to your boss, hey, you know, I'm really feeling not motivated or, um, hey, you don't inspire me, right? Or, um, hey, you know, I have some coworkers I do not get along with. So that, that's always, it's, you know, that's something that you tend not to do. Because it's always, it, I think for a very long time, it was not a topic because work is not about enjoying. And yeah. I think this is something that is so, so that sticks to our minds so hard. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which might be what we tell us, but at the end, it's, it's what we feel is different. Mm -hmm. you know? so, and we feel this, so we, we are in the situation where we really do not feel happy with what we do. But there is not the outlet of going to somebody usually and saying, You know, I'm unhappy with what I do. Or, or you feel maybe you have, you, you have this idea that you, you spoke about in mind and you think like, ah, I cannot go to somebody because maybe the expectation is not even there, right? To feel happy. So, but still you, you are in a situation and, and you're looking for an outlet. And usually your outlet then is, oh, I'm feeling not respected enough. I'm not feeling valued for, for that I'm doing here. So this is really not fun at all. You know, I'm working really hard or I'm, I'm really like not appreciated and whatsoever. I need to be compensated for that. So I need to be compensated for my pain. I don't need to become, it's not that you think I need to be compensated for the value I create. I need to be compensated for the pain that is done to me. Right. So, and, and usually, usually then the salary question is your outlet. So you basically start to have a discussion about salary and it's, but it's, it's just, It's just substitute discussion for the discussion that you should actually have, right? So, and you start discussing about salary. And then, you know, I, I think I, me, myself, I also had a long, long time, I had a tendency then to say, oh yeah, you know, maybe probably that's the easiest way to solve the problem for me right now. Yeah, you know, maybe, maybe you know, I, I will give you a raise. And, um, and we did that for a long time, right? So I, I, we, 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 the, this was a behavior probably that, which ha happened multiple times to me and, or that I showed this behavior that I was just avoiding the conflict, um, like g giving in such a situation, giving a salary raise. And, and, and the, the, the problem is what you said before. So, so the, 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 the raise then gets people maybe over the next month or the next two months where they say, oh yeah, Now I'm feel 
feel um, somehow compensated for my pain. But that is not staying there for long because because after a while you you think this is a no, new normal and but your your pain is still there. And and so you you basically have a higher salary, the same pain, um, and and you you still basically probably think you are not perfectly compensated so you you don't want to ask again for another raise so you kind of like start to um, to kind of quit you know intern internally so you you start not to be as productive anymore and so on because you think you're you're unfairly treated whatsoever and it's crazy right i mean if we just listening to our conversation how unproductive the whole thought process behind this is like how how ridiculous it is that you then pay more as a company. You, so you spend massive, massive amount of money while the productivity of your organization goes down. Yeah, I, I think it's something what, that we realize all the time. Yeah. And, and, and that is so crazy. And this is also what I, where I love, again, what we do about leadership sports is to just like turn around the story. How about like thinking in a completely different way and to say, mm, maybe it makes sense to think about incentivizing or um, yeah, motivating people in a completely different way so that realistically productivity goes up. Yeah, and, 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 and really work on the real problems, right? The real problem is usually the setup and this is... is It's like how much does somebody really enjoy in the moment what they do? How much do they like to work with the people around them? How much are they inspired? And 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 that are the important questions. These are the important questions that solve productivity. The the salary question is not solving productivity at the end. You know, it's not improving productivity, and 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 paying people more. I mean, I I also I also totally like like to nowadays get annoyed by the idea that you pay people generally just to to keep them right so you pay people more to keep them and i and i know it's it's so counterintuitive yeah so of like when you're looking at salary raises when salary raises happen today i would estimate the vast majority of salary raises happen in when you're looking at the complete business world probably still happen due to people saying either i get a get a raise or i leave so that's basically the normal thing so there is no there is no standard raise or something in most companies i mean we had that but in most companies that doesn't exist there's not like something where okay everybody every year everybody gets kind of evaluated and then you see like where they end up and then you give them a raise or a smaller or larger raise and and that's still not the standard right the standard is you don't get a raise the standard is You get a raise either when you have to when you promote promoted that happens right or when you when you put pressure in um, and say okay you know I'm either I getting um, getting um, paid more or I leave yeah good negotiating skills I, I think that's another yeah I think that's another important keyword so and and that's also why we end up for example so I think for example that the most a lot of the difference for example between males and female payment I I think it's just because Male people are generally, uh, they have a higher self-esteem, right? Um, are generally able like to go, or want to go into conflicts more and generally overestimate themselves. While, while, while women generally 
underestimate themselves and don't want to go into that conflict. So as long as we have a system, basically, where races are defined by how aggressively you go into a negotiation, right? I mean, this is, you know, we, we, we will keep those kind of differences between men and women, you know, because we, we just have a different way of how, you know, how, you know, how self-esteem develops and how they negotiate. And as an organization, we don't pay the ones performing, but we pay the ones, you know, selling themselves in a very good manner. Yeah. I think that's striking to me. That was very striking to me that at the end, you pay the best negotiators, you pay the hardest negotiators. And, and I think it's, I think it's a quite a, a, a hard thesis to say the best negotiators are the, are the, high, the highest value creators. I think that's maybe even negatively correlated. <laughs> so I think, I think it would be, you know, positive, good actors. positive correlation. I don't know, maybe strong positive correlation. Definitely not. Yeah. But, uh, but I would, I would rather, I would rather say in doubt, I would rather say it's a negative correlation. I mean, how, how crazy is that? Right. So we incentivize the wrong people. And I, and I think what's also striking is that I think in the moment where, where your discussion is only about money at the end and you just, that's the only way how you negotiate. You don't speak about your setup, your motivation and so on and so on. But if you speak about money, you know, you, you create a currency and whoever bids more on that currency will at the end win, right? So, so somebody who stays now because he, he gets 10% more will also leave tomorrow because he gets 10% more somewhere else. So I think, I think that's also, it's not, it's not that you really build up retention through that. You just, you just like solve a very immediate problem and you, you might get rid, rid of it for the, for the next couple of months, but you, 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 you don't really solve the core of it. Okay. I mean, I think we talked a lot now about money and, and payment and salary But we both have the opinion that that's not the solution. So what, what's the solution then? So maybe you can, we, or we can share a bit more of the experiences that we have made with intrinsic motivation at Trivago. So what did we really try to do different? Or what, do you, what would you say was special in that regard? I think first of all, finding out that the extrinsic part does really not work. So I... I I often hear people, yeah, you know, like, what's the solution? And, and, you know, at the end, you have to do it through money and so on. So I hear this often. See, I know that the extrinsic part does not work. I, I know that the intrinsic motivation is super hard. You know, to, it's super hard to control it. It's super hard to grasp somehow. You know, it's super hard to identify. And, and it, it's, a, it's a huge, complex problem, super complex problem related to it. But I think it's still better than using something that is definitely not working. I have a question. Yeah. Do you remember, and also a personal one, do you remember as a leader when you saw for the first time somebody working with you who is intrinsically motivated or somebody who came to, to Trivago and was given with the, or provided with the right environment, task, whatever, And intrinsic motivation kicked in. So I think we were lucky in um, that in the in the early days there was a lot of natural intrinsic motivation, um, where I would say I think most of the people, exceptions of course, but most of the people really I would say were intrinsically motivated. 
Why do you think that? So first of all, we because because there was not a lot of money, so we really, um, you know, we really tried to uh, to fund the money out of cash flow. So basically, the first people we hired, we we, we just didn't man, have money to spend. So I, I remember that we uh, earned ourselves we earned two thousand euro, and I think um, and that was the maximum salary in the company. <laughs> so um, and everybody who came on board was earning the same amount, more or less. Um, so, so the, it was not like definitely the reason why people came to Trivago was not the money. So people never came to Trivago because of that. So it was absent, right? So I mean, the extrinsic part was more or less absent, and 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 people were still unbelievably engaged. And and I think the reason was that they really saw, you know, what they created. So they they had a lot of freedom. They had there was nothing there. So they were creating something and they were directly seeing the results of what they created. So there was no, there was no need for an extrinsic motivation. There was no need for, there was also no need for goal setting and controlling and so on, because people there were given the freedom to express themselves and create value. And we were all created through the, you know, we were motivated through the value that we created together. I think that those are two very um, important aspects of uh, intrinsic motivation. It's on the one hand side, the trust and the freedom to, to create. And, and with creating, there comes mistakes that you do and learnings that you make. And on the other hand side, to um, see impact in what you're doing and then being super aware on how you contribute to the overall picture. I think that are two very, very important aspects of intrinsic motivation. But I can still imagine that it would be super difficult, especially in the beginning and, and as a young founder, to trust people that much um, in that stage with their operations and with, with whatever they do. How, how was it for you to, to trust them and to give them this freedom? See, to be honest, I think in the beginning, we just didn't have a clue how to lead. And it was more or less happening because, okay, you know, we were just moving very fast and, you know, basically you didn't have time to restrict roles or whatsoever. So you kept it super fluent and, and more or less um, like the power to impact always was, was not institutionalized in a way, right? Um, so, so people could have more or less impact depending on like how much they were giving from themselves and how much they were creating. And and so that was very fluent, and 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 um, I think that it was that you know to large extent really more or less accidental. So because we just didn't have a clue what we were doing, but we were seeing we were seeing it happening. We were observing it, you know. We were observing what was creating value, and we were observing that when we try to be more professional, because then there comes the stage where you think, oh, now we are we are a real company. Uh, you know, we have to have these goal settings and we have to restrict and we have to, you know, and, and, and from one day to another, basically you see like, oh, that doesn't really help to move things faster, you know, and, um, or, or you, I, I think there is also a danger in that moment when you start basically then being more directive and controlling and so on. There's also a trap because, because you controlling basically what the output should look like in that moment, people focus just on that and and disregard all the other output they create. And they might perform on the few indicators that are visible to, to you, but they don't perform on the rest anymore. 
And I think that's at least something that we realized pretty quickly. So we realized, okay, in the moment where we start basically going the more classical way, uh, we realized that, that, that the output, yeah, that might, you know, on this, on this few indicators, that was there, but a, a lot of other stupid things happened on the way. And, um, and I think, I think the, the good thing that we did was not that we intentionally created the company in that way, but we very intentionally didn't change it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, um, and then, and, and, and explored basically like, uh, or, or we're looking at, okay, how can we basically keep that motivation in, in place that people had in the begin, beginning? How can we keep, keep that fluidity that people had, this choice to create value where they felt they could create the most value. So how can you keep that fluidity? Like fluidity, I think the other po- important part is the transparency mm-hmm. for, for value creation, right? So how can we k- keep that? Um, how can we provide people with a space where they can express themselves and, and, cr- and create something themselves? So, so, so rather these were the topics. And, and I, think, I think that was something that we, that we then more institutionalized in a way, in the way of how we organized things later on so that we could keep a lot of that. I would not say that we kept all of it. I think that's nearly impossible to keep the fluidity that you can have with like a five people team with 500 people. That's impossible because you really have to redistribute work and so on and so on. But, but I think we kept as much as possible of that, that idea. And I, 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 I generally think it starts with like how, do you, how you educate your leaders again so that they basically... Um, have the same idea because I think the the most problematic thing is that there is a this, this old um, story, this old idea of how a leader has to be, and this is something that we tell our children from their childhood. So, so if you have somebody promoted to be promoted to a leader, the first thing they turn to is to this old like idea of leadership, right? So, oh, now I'm the leader. Okay, before I was super happy when my leader left me alone and when I could create and I felt very productive in doing so. But now I'm the leader. Now I have to tell people, you know, like what to do Mm -hmm. and and how to, you know. And I think that is something that you really have to break with. So you really have to stop this kind of idea and you have have to, to establish this idea of a leader who is rather like somebody who is, who is creating a space who is inspiring people in that space, who is bridging gaps between people and so on and so on. So this more like idea of a servant leader, I think is something that you have to install, right? So because otherwise it's, it's really hard to keep, to create spaces for, for, for your people because at the end then you create maybe spaces for your leaders, but that's not the idea. You have to create space for everybody. And, um, and I think then the idea of fluidity, I think, was very important, right? So we we basically were trying to um, we were trying to to give people the chance to constantly switch their roles, and also to go into areas um, where they have not been before and where where they could not even imagine to go before. But give people the chance to to switch, and I think that's also not done, right? So so usually. I don't know, you go for a career in accounting and then you stick to your career in accounting until you die, basically. You know, you might become then 
uh, the head of accounting. And at the end, oh, I don't know, maybe you can become even the CFO or whatsoever, but that's your, your fixed career path, right? And there's always the next step and the next step in the ladder and the next step in the ladder. Yeah, and it's always the next step in the ladder. <laughs> so, it's always, know? yeah, it always has to go up and it's always, there's always the next step. And uh, and that's you know and that's basically how you know how it's also the, how the way of how we motivated people right that there's always the next step and you have to climb and climb and so I think what we try to do there is to to really say no it's about it's about gaining new perspective gaining new experiences and and we made this basically the ma major motivation so we we always said okay you know the the the, the core of our leadership team should be people who have gone through a lot of different stages. So you can only be a, a leader of this company if you went really through different kind of experiences. And so that was our expectation. Our expectation was that you would do marketing in one year and then, you know, after a while you would maybe uh, go from SEM into, I don't know, TV marketing and then, but you could also go into product or into, into HR or what, whatsoever. So people really were giving the freedom to to change around from multiple roles and I, and and I, I see this very rarely happening um in 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 other organizations and it, I think it was one of the major value creators because I think it's perceived as something that brings no productivity or it's in like on on the short side of course if I would now as somebody from HR move into a product position how can I create value I think you can create value very quickly, though. But of course, there is like a a phase where you might be not as productive as the one who did it before might, though. Because so so what usually happens is I think I think you 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 take over a new position, and then then you get into this phase where where you're kind of slightly overwhelmed where, you know, you have a lot, a lot of new challenges and that happens anyway. So even if you would have another product role before you get, get into a product role at Trivago, there's probably so many cultural changes and something that so many things that differ from what you did before that you anyway go through that stage. So you always have that stage of adaption, of learning, getting new perspectives and so on. Um, so yes, that's true. There might be a short time where you have to go through that. But then also you are kind of, you know, you get into this mode of, you know, I really want to understand manage this. Yeah. I really want to understand what happens. I really want to understand. I really want to manage this. I really want to show people that the trust they have in me, that that, that it's it's justified, you know. So, so you really like, you have this motor of like, ah, you know, this is something new. I want to master it, right? And I think in, in, in that moment, you become extremely efficient, right? And then I think after after maybe a year, two years, three years, for some people it might take even longer, right? Or or they, they they might be in a very high motivation for a longer time. But at the end, you know, your your learning curve goes down. I think, and with that learning learning curve curve gets uh, goes down, the challenge is 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 becoming less. At least the intellectual challenge. I don't say the workload, yeah, but the the intellectual challenge is becoming less. And because that intellectual challenge is becoming less, you're just not, you're just not as, as productive anymore. And and you know, you know, yeah, yeah, you know, you have experience and you master things, but that experience might also lead lead you to blindness for innovation and so on. So 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 you, you just go through that natural cycle. And I think when you went through that natural cycle, so you have to find the right point in time 
when it's time for the next change, where you again have a short time frame of underperformance and so on. But the good thing is with every single change that you do, you gain something else. You, gain, you, you do not gain, gain the, the experience, the subject matter experience. Maybe that is something that you don't not, do not have. But you gain so much experience in leadership, basically. And you gain so much perspective about yourself and you learn so much about yourself and so on. So, so it's not that every time you start a new position that you start from zero. You start on a way, way higher level of the game. You know, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so, and that's why I'm. What's that's why I'm not so sure. You know, like um, if if you know, I, I've seen it very differently. I've I've seen people coming in from very different uh, backgrounds being highly productive after a very short time because they also give the team something new, right? So they give the team kind of a new perspective, and they give the team. Um, the team tries also to, of course, your team when you go into a new position, tries to say, okay, you know, like I want to show. Anna now, you know, why, why, uh, you know, why I'm really good in what I'm doing. Right. So I, no, I, I would say this, this was, it, it happens sometimes, but, but this, 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 this setup time in which you are less productive is, is, is I think very, very short. Um, and of course, I mean, you cannot do that ever for not forever. And you cannot do that in, in, in a very sm- small granularity. So of course you cannot say like, okay, I, I push, put you into this for two weeks and then you go into for another two weeks there and, and, and so on. I think there is a limit, of course, uh, when it's becoming un, unproductive. Yeah, but I'm, I'm not sure like where exactly that, that time frame is. You know, is it, is it, is it two years? Is it, is it one year? It might be also very depending from, from the people who do it. And what if you cannot offer a challenge internally anymore? Then please go somewhere else. <laughs> so so I, I think that is... That's the sentence where, which I was the most criticized for uh, at Trivago, that I, um, that I once said it so clearly. But, um, but, but I think what I, what I really, I think I, 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 the reason why I said it is not because, you know, at a specific point I want to get rid of somebody. So I really, th- I, I really think that a company should do everything to provide interesting opportunities for people who are living there, uh, who, are, who are working there. And, um, and why is that? Because I value the experience somebody made in, the, in that company, especially the, the experience they make with, you know, like coping with new challenges, uh, changing, changing from, uh, from one position to the, not, in, in, to the other, but still basically understanding the value, understanding the company as a whole system, that has an enormous value, right? Understanding, getting the holistic mm-hmm. perspective of the company. So, so I'm a fan of like retention, you know, I, was, I would always try to, to, to at the end to keep people, but I think you have to try to keep people with the right thing. So I think you have to try to keep people with, with providing like a, a cool a cool thing for them to do and, and what they really enjoy. And in the moment where you cannot provide that, and that's some, sometimes the case, I think you should be very happy that somebody is going somewhere else. And, and I think you should also support them in going somewhere else. Because at the end, it does not make sense to have somebody work for you who is not happy with what they do. You know, that, that is not retention. Keeping people who are not happy with what they do should not count as retention. No, it's also just keeping unproductivity inside. Yeah, and, and, and also destroying lives, you know? I mean, I mean like... like Who yeah. do you think you are? 
to, to keep them. Yeah. Who do you think you are? You know, like you just, you destroy somebody's life just because you say like, ah, you know, I have a short-term problem when I have to replace somebody with somebody new or have a productivity loss or whatsoever. And, 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 and first of all, it's not true in the long term. I think, I think when, you, when you're looking at a half-year um, time frame or so, it already falls apart. So it's, it's, very, it's a very short-term fix, basically. Um, and, and, and at the same time, you, 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 are, you are taking really valuable time of the life of somebody away because they could be happy and creative and some, uh, somewhere else. And... And I think it's also good to to get this perspective. So, and I I I think we also I think there are so many times that people came back to Trivago. So they were somewhere, they were at Trivago, they went somewhere else, and they came back. And I think that's totally fine, right? So they 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 they've seen okay, I I I hit a wall, I go somewhere else, you know, I develop there, I get a new perspective, and maybe then I come back and do something else, right? And that's and I think that's the maximum productivity. So I think, I think we should le like keep our job markets as, as fluent as possible, right? Um, for, for people to, to switch around and always never close the door for somebody, right? And never say, oh, now you, be you, know, you betrayed us because you left. I, th I think that's a crazy idea. So somebody is with a company for four years and then you, t you tell them and they leave and then you're like, oh, you betray us. You go somewhere else. No, you know, you were not able to provide them like with an interesting challenge and that's why they left. And that's totally fine. You know, and, 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 and that's why I was always a big fan of like, an, of, of like, um, like, uh, like uh, an outplacement basically. So it's really people who support you to find another position and not because, oh, you wanted to cut basically uh, a cost or whatsoever. But no, outplacement because you really are interested that people find another very interesting challenge because the more interesting challenge they find somewhere else and the more experience they can make somewhere else, the, you know, the, the, the higher the likelihood they can come back and they can provide you with, it, with, it, with that experience. So, so for example, I had long discussions also with my, my co-founders and so on about blacklists, right? So, mm -hmm. so the idea of, okay, you know, what are the companies that we should basically blacklist um, because, um, because we don't hire from them and they don't hire from us, you know? And mm -hmm. then there are these circles of companies who say, we will never take people from you and you never take people from us. I think it's no, making no sense at all. I think it's making no sense. So, like, it, it, well, it just... The motivation behind it is completely different, right? The motivation, it's a fear. It's fear-driven. Yeah, it's fear. It's yeah. fear-driven. It's, fear it's not, it's not output-oriented. It's fear-driven. The fear is somebody else might take somebody away from me that I really uh, want to work with, right? And, and no, I think, I think that's not true. I want, I want people to challenge, actually. I, I, I sense that once, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm happy that constantly people were approaching Trivago people to go somewhere else. First of all, I think it's, it's nice that that's ha that happens because it shows me, okay, no, people th think that the people who work here, they are well-educated and they kind of bring a lot of nice experiences with them. So yes, like have like headhunters going for them all the time. And I think in the moment where then somebody leaves, I think that's good because I, I wanted my people to always have 10 options to work for. And when they actively decide for me, that's cool. And in the in the moment where they where they where they want to go somewhere else, that's cool too. 
and I'm not I'm not mad at them because they leave somewhere else, right? Talking about hiring, do you think it's possible to hire for intrinsic motivation? Yeah, yeah, I think I think it's So 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 first first of all, I think that a lot of people can be motivated intrinsically even if they have not been motivated intrinsically before. So um so I've 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 seen that, you know? So I think that everybody has a capacity to really enjoy their work, to really be creative and 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 wanting to create something. So I I really truly believe that we all have that capacity in us and that it has you just have to be set in the right environment. So so sometimes I have seen transitions from people who clearly were more extrinsically motivated in the beginning and and who really changed over time. Multiple experience, um, multiple cases. So, but but um, but I think I think of course I think it's it's very difficult. The more people are kind of like in this in this system of extrinsic motivation and then the more they learn their behavior and that system of extrinsic motivation. So the longer people are in a specific career where this was the only thing that they were going for, you know, the harder it's to turn the clock back. So that's something that I felt. Yeah. So, so, and, and when, when you ask, for example, why have we been so successful in the beginning? I think also we, we basically had only people that we hired right out of university. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so, so they didn't have a lot of work experience before, and and generally, when when you're coming out of university, at least you have this feeling of, oh, now I want to be productive. You know, I learned all this stuff. You know, let me be productive right now. Um, and what usually happens then, you go to I don't know a big corporate, and you learn it's not about being productive. You know, it's about pleasing your boss and so on. And 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 so so in the in the in the beginning of your career, I think you still have that, and I think then you then you um, lose a lot of it over time. And, um, and that's why I think like when, you, when you're later in your career, I think, I think then you really have to look way more closely. I think in the beginning, you can sh- people shift, shift people around. When you're later in your career, I think then you really have to be careful um, mm-hmm. and really have to, to, to find out if people are really taking independent decisions, right? So do they take decisions because of money, status and so on so how many of those decisions have they taken security and so on and 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 how many of those decisions basically were independent so where they really said no i really want to do that because uh, that's something amazing to do and i i think that is also something that we tried to hire for right so where we looked at at cvs and we were looking at okay did somebody just follow the rules uh did just some somebody just go the the career ladder that you would expect Or um, have they taken independent decisions in their life? Um, and I think that's something that you can, you know, can hire for. But yeah, I would also not overestimate uh, CVs. CVs, and I would not also overestimate your ability to select the right people. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I truly believe way more in, in the ability to to shape the people in the right way to trigger intrinsic to trigger motivation yeah. and so on, and, and 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 not so much into the selection process before. Mm-hmm. Because the selection process, at the end, you know, to be honest, I mean, how for how long do you look at somebody? Mm-hmm. You know, like, um, and 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 how many biases do you have in that process? Um, and this person as well. So and the person the, tries yeah. to 
it's, it's, they are not in a natural situation. So, so I think, I think that, that we generally, all of us overestimate our capacity to hire the right, the best, whatsoever. The um, top. The top. Everybody hires only the top people. So yeah. that's cool. We end all up with the top people. Um, <laughs> um, and, and, and then we don't care anymore if they are productive or not. Right. Because, because they're, they're top. top. <laughs> <laughs> so because they're top. Yeah. No, but no, I would, I would not overestimate that. I think you can, you can though motivate people like to a to really high extent or not demotivate people. And I think that will at the end make the, the huge amount of the difference in your value creation and not so much the hiring. I think that is actually a very nice closing. We're already talking for one hour and I think that there has been a very good and extensive discussion around intrinsic motivation. Yeah. And I would like to thank you for this very cool podcast. And I'm very excited to talk about the next Heidi principle um, next time. Yeah. Thank you. You know, you, you one feels that this is only 10% of what you could talk about it, right? And, it always feels uh, like that. Yeah, it always feels like it. And, um, and and but it would be nice. Maybe maybe we can have another discussion and invite somebody and um, and, uh, and and really maybe controversially uh, like discuss about it um, because I think there's way more to it. But it was also nice to have the chance to to give some feedback. Okay, cool. Then uh, see you next time. Thanks. Bye bye. bye. bye.